Good morning and welcome to The Present. It's where everything happens. I'm your host, Lisa Widmark, and The Present is about mindfulness, which is paying attention to the present moment on purpose and without judgment. The present is the only place where you can affect change, and together I hope we can be a little more present, a little more mindful every day. On each show, I'm going to share a part of mindfulness and what it means, what it can do to help improve your life, and then I'll give you a practice or two that you can start today. Give it a try if you're ready, and let me know how it works for you. Then I'll share a conversation with someone connected to mindfulness, many of whom are right here in Reno. Thank you so much for tuning in to KWNK 97.7 FM, listener-supported radio in Reno, Nevada. Today is episode four, and it is about movement. Movement is what your body likes to do. And the principles of mindful movement are the same as any other mindfulness practice. We aim to bring our full attention to the present moment to experience what's going on in the here and now. We bring our awareness to our movement and focus on our breath or on the way our body feels as it moves. As soon as we start formal school, we are trained to sit and stay and repeat. Sitting is the new smoking. Sitting is linked with many health issues, including obesity, hypertension, back pain, cardiovascular disease, depression. Uh, it is not what your body is meant to do for an extended period of time. Some interesting studies that they've done at Harvard showing that the time you spend sitting each day is cumulative. So what I mean by that is not just if you're sitting for three hours at a stretch. I mean that all of the time that you spend sitting adds up over the day. So maybe 15 minutes while you're driving and then three or four hours sitting at work and then you sit down to dinner and you watch a movie or read a book. All of that time adds up. They are saying that modern Americans sit for 13 to 15 hours a day. And once we add in sleeping, where you're lying down, which is actually healthier than sitting, that, uh, that allows for an hour to maybe three hours a day when you're not sitting. Our bodies and brains were just not designed evolutionarily to sit that much. So adding more movement to your day will certainly help, whether you're doing it mindfully or not. Doing it with intention and attention will make it, uh, will, ding, doing it with attention and intention will make an even bigger difference. Walking, yoga, stretching, adding movement to your morning, especially um, standing and stretching while you're at work, all of these are going to make a difference. And so we're going to look at some ways to do this um, that don't really interfere with your day at all. Using a standing desk at work uh, is an easy way to sit a heck of a lot less. So getting used to this takes a few weeks. Uh, at the beginning, you'll probably feel more tired and you'll notice some muscles that you weren't using before that are sore now. But after you get used to it, standing is going to feel so much better than sitting. Uh, if you're not up for standing all day at work, Try a fitness ball chair. Using one will engage your core just a little bit throughout the entire day. And again, when you first try it out, you might feel your stomach muscles, your abdomen, your core a little sore at the end of the day, even though it doesn't seem like you were doing anything. But you're 
ever so gently balancing uh, on the ball. And those that engages muscles that you are not using when you're just sitting. If your job requires that you are very still at work, I know a lot of coders and programmers, uh, you need to be very still at work. You can't be dancing around the room. Um, set a reminder to stand and move at least once an hour. So that could be just some simple stretching, hands over your head, touch the floor, get some movement in there. Another thing is parking far from where you're going. So this will save you time and stress of looking for a parking space and just find one at the end of the parking lot and then enjoy your walk to and from wherever you're going. If you want to do this mindfully, stand up straight, engage your core, shoulders back, walk with some purpose. Notice yourself moving against the earth, breathing, and enjoy the walk to and from. Take the stairs whenever you can. Take your dog for a walk at least once a day. Ruff, ruff, your dog says twice a day. If you have a treadmill or an exercise bike at your house, use it while you're watching television or reading, especially in the wintertime. So if you're someone who doesn't go out two, three days a week and do winter sports, you have to find a way to stay moving in the winter. I know I do not get enough of movement in the wintertime. I do uh, yoga practice. But it's inside the house, and it's just not strenuous enough to keep me feeling energized all winter, especially this winter, which has been long and hard. Uh, do yard work. Clean your apartment. Do your laundry. But try to add in a little bit of mindfulness when you do these practices. So your instinct. Instead of seeing it as drudgery and something that you just want to get through, you are noticing how your body moves, being appreciative of the fact that you are physically able to do these things, using your breath as you do them. I've found that once people are up and moving, they don't go back. Health improves with movement. Productivity gets better. Your mood improves, and then everything is more fun. Movement is a good place for a lot of people to start because sitting on a cushion and practicing mindful meditation can be a tough place to start. So move, go, do, be. Then add in the paying attention. Notice your body and your breath and there you go. You are mindfully moving. It's a great way to get out of your head and into your body. And that is something that certainly modern society encourages, but that I think everyone does at some point in their life where you, the things in your head seem more and more important and you neglect what your body is telling you. You you don't spend as much time in your body and you spend more time in your head. You're listening to The Present, Where Everything Happens, on KWNK-FM 97.7 in Reno, Nevada. And this is episode four about movement. Doing any of these things mindfully will change your outlook. If you go for a walk in nature, do it without headphones or without your phone. Notice your body, how it feels as it moves. Use all of your senses. So see, hear, smell, touch, taste what is all around you. Feel your connection to nature and the world. Whether you're walking very slowly and matching each step to a breath or you're running, Paying attention to what you're doing rather than engaging in distraction, like we often do, will produce a richer experience. 
as a performance coach, I work mostly with athletes and attention, visualization, intention, all improve the results you get from practice. They have even been shown to improve muscle strength. So mindfully walking or running or any type of movement can help you be more aware of your body. And this can offer you important information. Do your shoulders creep up when you feel tense? Do you clench your teeth when you worry? Movement, especially mindful movement, gets you in touch with your body and that leads to being more aware of what it is telling you, which then helps you navigate life. So as you practice this, you get better at hearing what your body is telling you. And if you notice that your shoulders are starting to get tense or your body is stiffening when you encounter a stressful situation, you can stop right there. Take a few slow, deep breaths, and you will be more able to slow down or stop that reaction. So the idea here is to get better at listening to your body, and then you can notice what it's saying sooner, and you can avoid things getting out of control. For people who deal with more anxiety in their daily lives, this is not quite so simple. But being able to notice sooner when you're getting stressed or anxious means that you can do something about it before it gets away from you. The more you practice noticing what your body is telling you, the sooner you can intervene. Body awareness also helps you enjoy the times when you are not stressed, when you are not anxious. It can give you that burst of energy that allows you to hike farther or run faster. And when you're doing something fun or pleasurable, awareness makes it even better. Your body constantly provides signals about how you feel. Paying attention and responding to these signals can help you be in the world with more presence. Formal meditation practice can help you gain these skills. If it is not where you are comfortable starting, no problem. Start someplace else. Movement is a joyous thing that everyone gets to enjoy. Start with whatever movement you like to do. I made three categories to describe this movement. First is soothing, calming, peaceful movements like walking, stretching, or doing yoga. Second is a movement that is fun, energizing, or funny, like dancing or playing. This is great for if you have kids, if you are a kid, or if you act like a kid. And third is things that are strenuous, cathartic, athletic activities like action sports or physical labor, um, working out with a body bag, doing CrossFit or Orange Theory, those are going to get um, certainly stress out of your system. All three of these are life-affirming activities. Whichever one syncs with your natural state of being might be a good place to start, but you can explore all three of them. Whatever you choose, Feeling grateful for what you are able to do today. So no pressure or expectations of, I should be able to lift more weight than this, or I should be able to walk further than this. Just whatever is good for you today, which isn't necessarily what's good for you every day. Attention and intention on the activity that you are doing. And... Before we get into the practice for today, let's listen to uh, a song called The Bells of Every Chapel by Sierra Farrell, and this is a version that features Billy Strings, and it's off of her 2021 album called Long Time Coming. Enjoy. <music> Every chapel will ring in the day that I met 
Welcome back to The Present, where everything happens on KWNK LP 97.7 FM in Reno, Nevada, listener-supported radio. I'm your host, Lisa Widmark, and that was The Bells of Every Chapel by Sierra Farrell. If you don't know her, check her out. Um, She is the next Dolly Parton and has an amazing voice and writes some terrific songs. This is the practice segment of the show, something you can take away from today's show and add to your life today. Do it now if you're home relaxing, if you're driving or working or something else. Um, See the notes on the website or listen at kwnkradio.org when you can focus and practice which is where you can also click on Donate to help support the station. We are 100% listener-supported. Our practice for today encompasses physical awareness, relaxation, grounding, and much more. I do it every day, and it comes from a tradition called Ayurveda, which is one of the oldest holistic healing systems and was developed around 3,000 years ago in India. It's based on the belief that health and wellness depend on a delicate balance between mind, body, and spirit. Its main goal is to promote good health and not to defi- and not fighting disease. But it there are treatments within Ayurveda geared towards specific health issues. And this is an oil rub all over your whole body. So you can do it right when you wake up. You're going to use either coconut oil or sesame oil. These 
uh, both of these oils are antibacterial, antimicrobial, and antifungal. You will notice if you have them in your kitchen that these oils do not go bad. You can cook with them, eat them, and they will last and last. Uh, they don't last at my house because we use them constantly. Um, so you're going to just rub the oil on your hands and start with your feet. So using flat hands to rub all of your feet. If you ever have issues with athlete's foot, this will prevent that because it is antifungal and antimicrobial and antibacterial. So a nice firm rub all over your feet. And then the idea is that you're going to make a circular motion on your joints and then a long up and down motion on all of your bones. So next, let's start right foot and then right ankle. And you're going to go around on there and then long along your lower leg and circular motion on your knee and then long up your thigh and then the other foot. So left foot, round on your left ankle, up and down your left lower leg, around on the knee, and then the thigh. And then you could do um, your hips and your low back, your abdomen in a, I'm going to say a, a clockwise direction, which, <laughs> but that is a clockwise direction if you're looking at your abdomen. So um, up on the left side and then across the top and down. No, up on the right side, across, and then down on your left side. And that is the direction that your colon goes in. So um, I suppose if you are looking out from you, that is a counterclockwise direction. Then... Um, from the base of your spine up as high as you can reach. So you're getting that connection to your whole spine. And then your upper back, chest, to up and down your sternum and then across the top of your chest. And then your arms. So circular motion on your wrist, long up and down your lower arms, circular motion on the elbow along that upper arm, and a circular motion on your shoulder. Then we're going to rub that right on your face. It is a terrific, um, I was going to say moisturizer, but really it is hydration that uh, absorbs into your skin better than most moisturizers. Um, you're going to do your scalp. So I really like scratching my scalp. You can do it at whatever intensity you like, from your hairline all the way up to the top, and then do your hairline in the back all the way up to the top. And as much as you enjoy this, spend some time. Uh, it is great for your hair. It is great for your scalp. Then your ears, both the top of your ears and your earlobes. And you're going to finish this off with some oil on two fingers and rub it right inside your nose. Okay, this is, um, and then a nice deep inhale to get that into your sinuses just a tiny bit. So it's not like you're inhaling a bunch of oil, just a few molecules of oil up into your sinuses. Again, this oil is antibacterial, antifungal, antimicrobial. Uh, I do it every morning. I haven't had a cold in three years. Um, it also moisturizes your nose, your sinuses. If you're if you're new to Nevada and you get bloody noses or whatever, um, it really does help with moisturizing. And that is a way to be in touch with your body and take care of yourself and start every day in, with self-compassion. It is a super nice thing that you can do for yourself every day. Before we get to our interview today, let's listen to What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. 
because only love can conquer hate. Not holding a grudge, not fighting back or isolating, only love can conquer hate. So let go, give in, and give somebody a big hug today. Mother, mother, there's too many of you to cry. Brother, 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 there's far too many of you die. You know we've got to find a way to bring some You see, war is not the answer For only love can conquer hate You know we've got to find a way To bring some love and get here today Picket lines and picket signs Don't punish me with brutality Talk to me So you can see That was What's Going On by Marvin Gaye, and you're listening to The Present, where everything happens, and I'm your host, Lisa Woodmark, on 97.7 LP in Reno, Nevada, KWNK. Good morning, Allison, and welcome to The Present. It's where everything happens. And my guest today is Allison Tomei. She is a painter here in Reno, an artist. Uh, She also teaches intuitive painting and therapeutic creativity. She has been a massage therapist and worked in the healing arts for more than 20 years. Welcome, Allison. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So first, I want to ask you a little about your background and how you, well, really how you came to painting. So some about your... um, extensive experience in uh, massage therapy and healing arts, 
And then I love the story of how you uh, started painting and felt the need to teach others how liberating that can be. Yeah, absolutely. It did kind of choose me. You know, I think even the healing arts aspect chose me. I, I um, became a massage therapist, energy worker, healer, as you said, for over 23 years. And I was always an artist as well. Um, that, but they were two separate things, sort of. You know, art was something I did sort of on the aside. I didn't really do much with it elsewise until I was in about my 40s. And I'd shared with you in my own sort of dark night of the soul, I had I had lost my father, I had lost my grandmother, I had had a hysterectomy, major chemical changes, um, and grief, and lots of shifts, and started painting a lot more. Um, I was guided to painting because it was a way to process stuff. I didn't have to talk about it. It just helped me calm down. It helped me cry it out, and started painting and painting and painting, and somewhere along the line there... Um, I had this download of, of this is shifting you. There's something happening here. And it truly was a download of you are meant to bring that energy that you use in your hands when you lay your hands on people up and out and out of your mouth. And you are meant to share this. This is meant to be shared. It's part of your work as a healer. And it really happened like that. And I said, okay. And I quit the job I was in at that time. I was working for OBGYN and I quit and I opened my own expressive arts studio, interestingly enough, with inheritance that I received from my grandmother who who's grieving, who the loss I was grieving that led me to be starting to paint so much. And that was the beginning of it. And and the rest happened from there. So before that was was painting something that you did sort of as self-therapy. I mean, it's certainly self-expression, yeah. but but that would help you process things in general. Yeah, I think it was. I just think I didn't know that that's what I was doing. I'm a bit of an escapist. I'm I'm a I'm a big feeler. I'm a very I'm a big emotional person, which I think is actually one of my superpowers. And that's why a lot of my um audience that I feel most guided to share this work with are sensitives people who are sensitive, people who are feelers. Because I think I always did paint as a form of both a way to um, escape and kind of go other places and also as a way to um, process my emotions. I just don't think I knew that that's what I was doing until much later. So it was definitely like a, it's always has been a self-soothing for me. I mean, I was the kid in class that got kicked out of class for drawing on your shoes or doodling. And they would say, you're not listening, but it was actually my way of processing information. Mm -hmm. That, that you can actually listen much better if you're also doodling. And so many people do that. Yeah. Do have you uh, looked at the connection of, of kids, kids drawing? Mm -hmm. Do you work with kids? I do. Excellent. That kids drawing, there's, it's so encouraged when they're little that there's mm -hmm. all kinds of coloring and drawing. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's because adults think that they're less verbal and mm -hmm. so they encourage more mm -hmm. um, visual arts. And then at some point, mm -hmm. hmm, high school students aren't, uh, don't get coloring books anymore. Mm -hmm. There, There is a movement uh, against that with the um, adult coloring books and the fine sets of colored pencils where you can uh, color as an adult. Yeah. And I, it's, it's calming if nothing else. Absolutely. It reduces stress and anxiety if nothing else, but, but you get into it on a, on a much deeper level where you're processing trauma, where you're working through addiction, where you're mm -hmm. um, bringing out that, creativity and mm -hmm. uh, learning something about yourself. Yeah. I mean, you touched on something really huge that I share a lot with my clients. And that is, is that there is such a point, a raw point in each of us that we can learn a lot about our stories that we've told ourselves when it comes to creativity. Because it's exactly that. You start as a child, full open potentiality, fully connected to your creative aspect of you. There is an aspect of each and every one of us that is a creative aspect. 
There is the creative element in us as human beings. Somewhere along our timeline, because of the way there's, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation as to why it has, it's instilled this way and why this, this lie <laughs> ever started. Uh-huh. But somewhere along your timeline, no matter where you were as an individual, and it's usually around grade school, elementary school, where the process of creativity became more about how others are going to view what you created. And that's going to say something about you. And some kid either said, that's how you draw a nose. That's not right. Or that looks silly. Or a teacher said something. And at that point, we've put a lid on our creative aspect of ourselves. And in so doing, disconnected from our intuition, um, disconnected from a self-trust idea. So, But that need was always still there. And the creativity was always still there. So you want to buy a color book in color. It's because that's trying to call you back to it. So yeah. when you start again, you're going to end up right wherever it was that you made a story about yourself as a if creative or not. When you start up again, you're going to start right back there. So that calls for grace and kindness and bringing that child back out again. Wow. I never, I never thought of that, that when you get back into being creative, you're going to pick up where you left off being creative. There's a couple things that came up in, in what you just said that there's a quote from Picasso that says, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you know, you spend your whole life uh, learning how to draw like a child, Yeah, uh, which is not an exact quote. He but says, uh, I think it says, uh, every child is an artist and the secret is to stay that way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, just when you see kids having fun, yeah. uh, that you want to hang, you want to hang on to that forever. And yeah. that's. That's how you live a happy life. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of stories you know, I always tell my my painting students too that you can learn there's so much wisdom in the blank canvas. And it and it will show you everywhere every agreement you've made about yourself and the fears as far as um being seen or or what you've what limits you've put on yourself or limits to your ability or stories like well my sister's the painter. I'm not I'm not the artist. Oh, or, I, you know, <laughs> so many adults um, define themselves by something like that, that an adult that they trusted told them when they were a kid, oh, you're, you're, you're a little awkward, honey, or you're the artist or you're the, you're the math whiz or yeah. whatever. And well, certainly defining yourself when you're eight is ridiculous. Right. It's the and small things. We make Defining yourself at all. Exactly. Is, is not helpful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and um, Don Miguel Ruiz, are you familiar? No. He wrote The Four Agreements and he oh, talks a no, lot about I'm familiar that. with that. Yeah. That idea that you, you're born limitless potentiality, which is, which is creative. It's a creative force. We are, you are a creative force. And, and then somewhere along the line, your, your parents, the doctor, the clergy, the teacher, give you all of these little bits of information about who you are, and you agree to them, and then becomes this personality. But the you, that was always you, that includes a creative aspect, that includes an all-knowing, all-encompassing aspect of you, is the one who's really there. So when you when you develop a creative a personal creative practice of any kind, you get to align yourself with that. And it makes all of these other aspects of you alive again and increases potentiality. And um you know I was another thing I say to my painting students is what if there was no such thing but beginnings? So you make a mark on the canvas and you go, "Oh my god, I didn't want that to look like that and now I've ruined this whole thing." Or you make a mark on the canvas, it changed everything. It's a new beginning. You're beginning again. There's just a beginning. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, because I was just going to ask you how, you how you get past that point where people have so many um, boundaries that they make up for themselves when they start a painting. Yeah. You know, yeah. I have to color within the lines or I have to do whatever. Oh, yeah. And to to get them to get rid of that. And so I'm thinking, you know, do you let them just start and then fling that canvas over their shoulder and start again? But I, but your idea saves way more canvases. Yeah, it does. It's not the canvas. 
that's the thing. You are the thing. The canvas, you could paint on one canvas your entire life. And so I think what it does allow you to do, though, is just notice what comes up and let it be there. And then, you know, like Mother Teresa said, then do it anyway. Then do the thing anyway. Mm-hmm. And you do that enough. And those those parts of you that, you know, these these silly agreements about it has to be this or it has to be that or the color brown is ugly. <laughs> You know, that if I mix all these colors and now it's mud, right? That, even just that in the world of painting. And when people paint and they go, oh, now it's just mud. There's a whole story there that is such a BS story about Mm -hmm. what's okay and what's not okay. So it is. It's just, you just keep doing it. I love that you're, and and I'm guessing that you have a lot of uh, pupils who who say, oh, it's mud now. You know, and that, that, that particular word even comes up yeah. when they're describing that, I, that I've mixed everything together. I've tried so many things now that, that it's all just a pile of mud. Right. Uh, it reminds me of uh, Thich Nhat Hanh says, you need mud mm. to grow a lotus. That's what Except I was Except that his, his accent is, uh, is such that he says, moot. <laughs> and, I'm, and the first time I'm heard it, I'm like, you need moot? <laughs> to grow a lotus. What is moot? <laughs> I had to look and at the printed version of it to say, oh, you need mud yeah, <laughs> for yeah. lotuses to grow. Yeah. Well, I channeled yours. I heard you then because that is exactly my thing that I will always say. Well, what, you know, what does the lotus flower come from? Well, you know, and so I think there is part about seeing your shadow parts too and just being witness to them. And letting them be part of the process. And I think creativity can help us do that. And I, you know, I, I do, I teach intuitive painting and I, I teach that a lot. But I also work with a lot of different mediums and really simple ways, very simple, accessible, small ways to add creative process to your, to your life, your daily life. And creativity as ritual and ceremony because I think that's a really important aspect of our humanity that we experience things like that. You know, when, when, when you were ill in the, you know, ages and ages ago and you would go to the medicine person or you would go to the healer, the question was, okay, you're in dis-ease. Mm-hmm. When did you dance last? When was the last time you played music? When did you, because this is part of homeostasis. Mm-hmm. And the creative aspect, we've healed all these other aspects and we put all this attention on healing all these other aspects of self. And creativity is often forgotten or ignored or too intimidating or seen as, oh, one, once I get my house clean, then I'll sit down and do something creative. Or once I, whereas if, you, if it's the opposite, if you have a creative practice in your life, all of the other things that you have to do happen easier. You're in more of a flow state. You're more in touch with your intuition and your gut. So if we if we prioritize it a little bit more, I think that we're living a more complete, um, we're utilizing more of ourselves. You're listening to The Present, and my guest today is Alison Tomei, an artist and teacher of intuitive painting. Okay, I want to ask you about um, that flow state, because... When you paint, when you're creating a work of your own, that 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 flow state is part of that. Yeah, absolutely. Can, can you tell me how you get into it, or and and how it? Well, maybe how you started uh, painting in that way. And it sounds like mm-hmm. you started painting in that way when you were uh, healing from getting over losing your dad mm-hmm. and your grandma. And but but what you can share with our listeners about, about painting um, in this very mindful, relaxed uh, state where creativity just flows through you. Right. And there are many out there. I mean, if you Google expressive arts or you Google intuitive painting, there are many, um, you know, practices that you can do to kind of bring that about. I ultimately have created a five-step painting um, sort of outline. Um, And so when I started painting in this way, I did, I also came across the teachings of of Whitney Freya, 
who is a mentor of mine and, and a great friend of mine. And she has a program called Creatively Fit, Creatively Fit Coaching. And I knew something was happening in me. Even the way I was painting was kind of different. I wasn't planning out my paintings anymore. I was just needed to get it out. And, and then I came across Whitney. She and I were on the same page. We, it was like total alignment. I went through her coaching program. So I'm a certified Creatively Fit coach as well. But um, so it really is about accessing. It always starts with intention. And I will all I and ritual. So when I say when I bring in creative ritual, what I mean by that is all the way down to having a space in your home that is dedicated to being at the canvas that is attractive and appealing and makes you feel good. Have feeding yourself something that tastes good. Hearing sounds that that will that put you in a state, right? So I would say there's a there's a spectrum of things here. There's there's artistic ability at one end, but the other end and where I'm hanging out is in the state of creativity. So it's about stirring up your neurology enough to shake it loose so that you have to relax so that you, so that, so things like having something good to eat, lighting a candle, setting a timer for a minute and just starting writing, letting your mind dump things that get you into this state. And then it's just about beginning. Because beginning is the hardest part. And then you'll feel yourself go into flow state. It's a, it's, a, it's a no thinking space. Like if you've ever been on the phone and you're doodling or you're sitting there kind of just circling around on, the, on a pad of paper and someone's like, you know, Allison, Allison, oh, what, huh? That time where you kind of lose time like that, that's flow state. And the more you do it, the stronger it gets. And so if it just starts as responding to color, watching the way the paint's dripping. Um, when I go through my class, I give certain prompts. I'll interrupt a lot and have you change, move your canvas around or start painting with your non-dominant hand or um, use your paintbrush in a different way. All of these things until you can finally kind of shake loose and you go into that, that non-thinking space. So those sort of distractions are ways to get people to... Stop thinking. Yeah. To get out of their own way. Yeah. And um, I, I feel like I would enjoy all of those, except for the putting the brush in my non-dominant hand, which <laughs> my non-dominant hand uh, is there so that I'm not lopsided. It <laughs> does absolutely nothing. <laughs> so painting with it would be really it would interesting. Be interesting. <laughs> it would be interesting. I would need a much larger drop cloth around me. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Because paint's mean, going and in everywhere. in the world of fine arts too, which I've, I'm mostly a self-taught painter. I shared that with you. But I have, I have been in that world too of, of, of fine art, which I think is very important. And I think it is important to, to know those skills. And I think the muscle memory and everything that comes with becoming a skilled painter is definitely important. But it's just not where I'm hanging out. It's just not what I'm dealing with. So it's very opposite. A lot of time in that world of painting, there is problem solving. There is linear thinking that goes into it. So some of my most interesting students are the ones who, are, who have been professional painters, who have learned all of these rules, but they feel a soullessness when they create and they want to tap in more to that. So it's about forgetting all of those rules so you can break them. So that you can get more in the flow state. And, and it's just something where you really just have to show up to the canvas and do it. And it's about not being afraid to be wrong and not being afraid to make ugly art and, and to just do it. Uh-huh. So tell me um, about the classes that you teach. Yeah. And I know you teach in a lot of different uh, areas and, and with a lot of different groups, but... But um, so the soul art um, and intuitive painting, where, where do you do that? And what's, yeah. what does that look like? I love it. So there's a wonderful, wonderful place here in Reno called Soul Spa. Good friend of mine owns Soul Spa. And it's a um, massage. They do massage. They have an esthetician. Um, they have a brand new location in which they opened like a classroom area. And part of what I offer there is soul art sessions. And those may look like, um, so those are always processes that I take you through a guided meditation, 
Um, there's that aspect to it. There's often a writing aspect to it. And it'll be different mediums from collage to maybe just doing ink and paint. But it's always a guided, very intentional, um, usually about an hour and a half of art making. So I, I work in a lot of different mediums. The other thing I offer is intuitive painting. And I've um, done two two classes of that now at Nevada Fine Arts. Um, and that is a longer, like, four-hour session of, of working at the canvas with paint. And then I'm also a resident artist um, for Sierra Arts Foundation and Arts for All Nevada. And in that aspect, I work with the CLS classrooms, Alzheimer's, um, at-risk youth, and uh, people in recovery. Um, and so these are all the mediums and the proce processes and projects I bring are all very similar across the board with all of these. Um, and then I also teach shamanic painting, um, which I haven't brought here to Reno yet, but it's coming. I was doing it in El Dorado County a lot, and it's a longer, much deeper dive into meditation and soul art and painting at the canvas. So these are all workshops that I'm going to bring more and more to Reno. Um, and I will be doing another um, session of intuitive painting soon, too. So I work with a lot of different groups from like five-year-olds to 95-year-olds. I've worked with Alzheimer's and veterans and, and I've done um, 3D, uh, like more maker stuff. I've, I, do, I teach a class in making your power, um, power tools, making altar pieces, um, prayer flag type work. Um, but the workshops are always the same in that the intention is to create a piece of art for you from you that's related to a process um, and connected to your soul and medicine. It's medicine for the soul. It is. And it's uh, free if people are just doing it at mm -hmm. home on their own, you know, yes. some guidance to get started is wonderful. And, yeah. and some people want that guidance all the way through. Exactly. But, Getting started, but, uh, starting is the hardest and most scary part for a lot of people. So for instance, the soul art sessions that I do at, at Soul Spa, which they can go to the www.soulspa.reno um, and see, those are quick. They're like an hour and a half um, sessions that I bring a project in, but accessibility is really important to me. So the projects that I always do in my soul art sessions are things that you could then go and do on your own easily affordably. You're not having to go to the art store and spend a whole bunch of money on art. It's more about being able to have some ideas of what what is a personal creativity practice? What does that mean? You know, you have your yoga practice, you know, or you have your meditation practice. So I just like to introduce small experiential creative things that people can try on and, and go, hmm, I like that. That made me feel this or it made, did this for me that you can go home and then do, and you don't have to spend hundreds of dollars purchasing fine art supplies. So do you find that when people come to, a, let's say, a class at Soul Art, um, that they adopt that as a practice in their life, or or is it... Just for the session. Or is it just for a session to, yeah. to try it out? I think it's been both, and I think either way it's a good thing. True. You know, I think if you give yourself one hour a month that you go and you, you get yourself a soul art session, and even if it prompts you to do some writing, or even if it prompts something that you has been kind of weighing on your heart to come forth and for you to get some clarity about it, and then you don't think about it again for another month, then it still was a good thing. So treating it like a like a therapy session where you can yeah. just... You don't want to go talk to somebody about what's bothering yep. you. You want to just get it out in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. Or to practice uh, the intention and attention yeah. and relaxation and release yeah. that is all part of mindfulness. Yeah. Uh, yeah, once a month is way better than not at all. Than not at all. And, and in doing that, it allows you to look at everything in a slightly different way. Yes. So if you open yourself up to, hmm, art could be this, then when you're look when you're walking around town, when you're 
Yeah. At Home Depot. You're going, you know, that is artistically done. Or th- yeah. or I could add this to my living environment. Exactly. In a way that feels artistic to me. And so it's it gives you that connection with your creativity and that you're doing it yourself instead of uh, so-and-so at this website yeah. said that this is artistic, and so I'm going to buy it and put it on the right, wall. And right, I, I've right. always hated it. And- right, right. It's all of those things. It's it's that, like you said, being able to process emotions. That's why I went to the canvas when I first did during that time in my life was because I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't really have words for it, but I wanted to move it somehow. And art making allows you to put your feelings out in front of you to be felt without them feeling so intensely inside of you because you can put them in front of you and look at them and it somehow change it somehow makes them gentler well when we have those strong emotions we often feel that this is who i am oh I, yeah you hit i it. am a, yes. i am an anxious person i am an angry person i am right. a sad person no this is an emotion that you have right now. And and I like to think of emotion as energy, energy in motion. In motion. <laughs> it's it yeah. technically should last about a minute and a half and then it passes. Exactly. But we hang on to it because it's but it was really important and and I need I to, am I am this, but no, you're not that. And I really believe I have a strong knowing that that is why one aspect of our beingness is creativity because we are meant to have energy in motion in the form of emotions to help guide us to help give us information in those emotions but the train the car the vehicle that helps that energy in motion move is creativity because if you can put it into a dance, if you can put it into a song, if you can paint it, it moves that energy in such a in such a way that allows us to see it without the attachment of the I am it. It brings us into our witness place because you are the I witnessing the emotion. And so creativity actually allows us to move that energy. We're meant to be doing this. This is an important part of our survival and our beingness is to create. We've created all these silly stories about it. And, you know, we've put made artists like rock stars and, you know, we can go back through history and there's many things we can point out that probably started that idea, right? Of the, of the artists and the non-artists and the, you know, all of that. But the truth is you, you are creating all of the time. Anyway. Do you want to create mindfully? Do you want to create in a way that, you know, choose it or that sort of, you know, your thoughts become your reality sort of idea that we all, we all know to be, we've all heard that catchphrase so much now. Mm -hmm. um, Making, making whatever, making something creative. And you're right. It could be dinner. It yes. could be a dance. It could be a painting. And I'd sort of like my listeners to think about what, which one of those areas do you feel like, yes. oh, I don't do that. Um, I don't sing. Yes. Or I don't dance. I, you do it all. And I always say, go to the one that you feel the most repelled towards. Whichever that one, like, oh, I don't dance. For, for me, forever, it was singing. I love music. So much of when I create art, it's, it's, music is my muse. But I was like, oh, I don't sing. And so I had to challenge myself on that. Like, okay, what's, what's going on there? What's oh, the story Allison, there? You and I might need to do a duet. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. You know, but it is. It's we'll that. get somebody who doesn't play music to accompany us. Yeah, come on. <laughs> someone brave. Like, we'll give them head, headphones, whatever it is. Because it's the doing of it that changes who you are. The last step of my five-step process that I've kind of created when I teach intuitive painting is transformation. 
So you do all these different steps at the canvas. And the one I say, when you get to the transformation step, the transformation is in you, not on your canvas. So you're, you're doing it because of how it changes your, the state you're in. It's, it's more about transforming it around you. So wherever you've told yourself like, oh, but I don't dance. I, I couldn't possibly dance. There's something there for you. There's some information for you there. There's some, right. some to story learn something about yourself. To, about why you think that. To figure out where that started. Right. And, and it is often a childhood experience where somebody said something about the it, way yeah. you were moving when you were at a particularly vulnerable time and yeah. it just stuck with you. Right. When I would like to say it's baloney. It's total baloney. <laughs> but that what you resist persists. So it's also this, there's, there's gentle ways. And I think this is where the guided meditation really helps a lot too, of kind of going in and actually changing some of that neurology, replacing it with something else. Or, you know, you have to, you have to create a void in order for it, for it to be filled. So that is why with soul art, that's a big part of it. And another big part of it is moving between like guided meditation and writing and painting or drawing or making, you know, the other interesting thing that, that I came to me at some point in these last 15 years, I've been doing this work when you create, it's all intention. And when you're creating with your hands, something intentional, the thing that makes it, that makes cooking dinner a creative ritual instead of just cooking dinner is your intention. So when we're using our hands and creating something with our hands, you know, the heart meridian runs from your little pinky. It runs all the way up to the, the inside of your arm and right to your heart. So I, I tend to believe we're meant to make stuff with our hands so that we can connect to our hearts. We're meant to sit in circles with other people and tell stories while we make things with our hands. This is something that AI is never going to be able to duplicate in all of its magnificent creative, you know, images and stuff that it can come up with. This is the part we have to still integrate into that. There, that it, there's something about human hands creating something with intention and in the presence of others even or to be shared with others. So I, I think it's more than important. I think it's not just a, a fun little crafting project, you know. Oh, it's it's <laughs> so much more than a crafting project. But sometimes the uh, the crafting project aspect of it gets people in. Yes, it's it's a it's oh, a gateway yeah. drug. Oh yeah, <laughs> that, I'll use that, that all you, the time. <laughs> that you could say, um, that you could say, come on, come and uh, we're going to paint turtles or whatever. Exactly. Oh <laughs> and, my gosh! Uh, yeah, everybody wants to come and uh, join you for a painting class where there's no pressure to produce <laughs> yeah. any kind of painting. Yeah. But then they're going to get something way deeper that's, mm -hmm. that's going to help them uh, hopefully yeah. see themselves. Yeah. And it is a gateway drug. It's a vulnerable, uh, you know, it's, it's vulnerable to, to sit down in front of a big white square of canvas and put paint on it. Because then you're allowing other people to see you. And what right. if you got it wrong? Right. And this or what is if it's what, not pretty? This is what you chose to put on that big blank canvas. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's all information. You know, I always say there there's stay curious. Some of my my rules about painting when I are my are all of my art rate making rules, you know. Don't quit before the miracle happens. Get, stay on that canvas. If you can find one little one inch by one inch square on that canvas that you love, go there and work with what's working. And don't quit before the miracle happens and stay curious. And what if there's only beginnings? And what if I do this? Hmm, how does that feel? Oh, it makes me want to do this. Okay, do that. So it really what it also does is it puts you into that neurology that isn't the linear, rational thinking mind and it's more of that gut feeling. Creativity doesn't speak logically. It speaks in sensation and feeling and tone and, you know, or perhaps you, you if once you start painting intuitively, you'll start to have a relationship with shapes and images that you'll see all over the place in your walking life. It begins to ignite parts of you like you spoke to it earlier, that you will see your world differently. 
And in so doing, you give that linear mind a little bit of a break. And so sometimes then when you go back into your cubicle or you go back into your tech world or you go back into your mothering and parenting or whatever, the problem solving that you that is accessible to you is much greater. You know, I've even been hired by tech companies to come in and and do creativity workshops to to help them to think in different ways or to get past, you know, a problem that they're trying to solve. Right. They can they can access that creativity to help them solve problems or just to so that when they go back to their old way of thinking, they have a fresh perspective. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It absolutely changes your your neurology and and you can use it in linear ways then. You can apply it to how you do your bills. <laughs> you know? Okay, I can't wait to come and do some some intuitive Yay. painting with you. Um <laughs> Where can where can our listeners find you, Allison? Well, right now I have on Instagram. It is under Creatrix Soul Art Studio, um, and on Facebook as um, Sacred Arts Studio. Um, I've been here in Reno for about a year and a half now, so I haven't quite concreted um, into my website and our location or where I'm where I'm going to go here yet. So so those social media handles are the best ways. Um, to reach me and certainly any listeners could email me um, at Allison, A-L-I-S-O-N dot Tomei, T-O-M-E-I at, uh, I'm sorry, Allison Tomei dot sacred arts at gmail. Okay. Allison Tomei dot sacred arts at gmail. Yes, that's it. That's okay. the one. Thank you so much for oh being here on the present so- where everything happens. And I will obviously have to have you back again later because we have, uh, I don't know. Oh, we three, have so many rabbit hours holes. worth of stuff got- to talk about. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was so fun to okay. be here. Thank you. Super.